0: My name is Astrid Johnson. I have not seen my children in 455 days and this is my story. There.
1: So much to me. My parent hosts a regular event, bringing together successful cases of reunification. Last month, we were happy to host parents who have been successfully reunited after their children were abducted to or in Japan, in addition to a legal expert who has helped individual families and fought for all children abducted to Japan. In our next event, we will focus on families reunited after abduction to the Middle East. You can register for this event and stay up to date on all our events by visiting our website and clicking on the events page. The link is also in the description of this podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Your Double Podcast. Today, we're speaking with Astra Johnson, mother of two girls abducted to the United Arab Emirates. Thank you so much for being with us today, Astra. to tell us a bit about your daughters and the abduction. Can you tell me a bit more about yourself and your children? Yeah, so I was originally born
0: in the U.S. and moved to Australia uh, in 2008. My children were both born there in my marriage. And we went back and forth actually a few times to the U.S. living here uh, near my family in Washington State uh, when the girls were very young. When they reached school age, we went back to Australia and my husband and I uh, separated shortly after that. Um, The girls and I eventually were able to relocate to the U.S. as my former husband and I came to an agreement in the Australian court and drew up consent orders. He had been living in Dubai Since 2017, uh, marrying a woman there and had agreed to allow for the girls and I to relocate to California where we could be closer to my dad for that support in raising them. The girls and I were very much looking forward to starting our new life in California with my parents, and uh, we moved here in March of 2021.
1: When was it that your daughters were abducted from the US?
0: My girls were taken on a scheduled trip. Um, to Dubai with their father on June 3rd, 2021. This was actually not their first time in Dubai. They had gone there a few years back before the pandemic for some time at Christmas with him and had enjoyed that very much. And it was always my goal for the girls to have a meaningful relationship with both of their parents. And so uh, we wrote those uh, terms into our agreement And he took them for what was supposed to be the summer holiday in California in between um, the school year. In that time frame, I was setting up our new life here. So getting a home, getting a car, getting a job and decorating their rooms, et cetera. I spoke with them very frequently as they both had their own phones that I paid for uh, with American numbers. Um, We videoed, we texted called told each other we missed each other. Charlotte had her 11th birthday there and I sent presents and uh, they seemed to be having a wonderful time. And about six weeks into the trip, I received a text message from both of my children's phones saying that they would like to stay in Dubai and try it out for a year is the message that I got from them. I did try to call them. They didn't answer the phone. A few hours later, I received an email from my former husband, kind of with the same sentiment that the girls have wished to stay, that they are, they were sad that their trip was coming to an end, and they wanted to uh, remain in Dubai. Um, I very quickly responded that that wasn't going to be happening, and we could possibly talk about it in the future, but for the moment, they still currently live with me, and We're going by our consent orders that we had uh, agreed upon.
1: So, looking back, were there any signs? You you sent your daughters to go on this vacation to see their father. Were there any signs um, that that he might do this or this might happen?
0: Um, Obviously, hindsight is always twenty-twenty. So, I think yeah, when you do when you look back, um, you do see a couple of indicators. But overall, no, I. Like I said, they had been there before and had a good time. Him moving in 2017, it seemed that his life was going to be there and the girls were going to stay with me. I never thought that he would intentionally try to keep them away from me. He had indicated several times that I was a good mother and that you know he was very happy with where the girls were at. So um, it did come as quite a big shock to me.
1: So after you got those text messages and that email from your ex-husband, what did you do? Talk me a bit through your reaction and, you know, the authority, if you got in touch with authorities, what happened after that?
0: So they weren't scheduled to come home until the middle of August. Uh, So I was hoping that he would not keep them past the date that they were supposed to be brought home. I did do some research into what would happen if they, if he did not. And so I was prepared on the day when he didn't bring them back to file a local police report, which I did with the police here in San Diego. It didn't take me long to find uh, the State Department was the next step to take after that, which I contacted them right away. And my case was very challenging being that there are three countries involved. Uh, we moved shortly Uh, The girls were taken shortly after we moved to California. Uh, So I did need to seek uh, some legal advice, which I did here in the U.S. and in Australia. So those were my first steps, initial steps. But that time, you know, as a parent, um, a left-behind parent, uh, that time frame in those first few months is very um, confronting, very stressful. There's a lot of anguish and grief that takes place, a lot of blaming yourself, And a lot of sleepless nights, the inability to concentrate on work or, you know, uh, to get through the day without crying. So it was very challenging to keep taking steps forward and trying to think rationally through the process. I read later that, you know, a lot of parents that this happens to feel the need to or feel compelled to act. And I was restless and wanted to do something. I was advised against going to Dubai. So I didn't, I didn't do that initially. But the information that you're given is just overwhelming. It was hard to know which direction to go in because you fear that you're going to take the wrong path. And every day without your children is another crucial day that separation becomes wider and the chance of getting them back becomes less.
1: Absolutely. So if I'm not mistaken, the United Arab Emirates is not a Hague Convention country, nor do I believe any country in the Middle East is. I may be mistaken on that, but I don't believe any Middle Eastern country is. That's correct, Danielle.
0: Dubai is not party to the Hague, and neither are any of the UAE nations. In fact, they're even listed as a incompetent, you know, country with in regards to the State Department's annual report, um, and have been for many years. So that was an obstacle that I was unprepared for. Considering that I felt that I had an agreement, a binding agreement from Australia, I was very much in shock to find out that it was essentially useless in other countries such as the UAE.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine that. So given that UAE is not a Hague Convention signatory, like what was the State Department? Able or unable to do for you and your girls? That's a good question. So, initially, my interactions with the State Department
0: were not very hopeful. After being told that the UAE is not party to The Hague, I was actually informed there was very little they could do. As a left behind parent dealing with trauma of being recently separated from your children, uh, it left me feeling abandoned by my own country. And considering they were US citizens, I felt that the Options that they were offering were very few, and you know, ultimately, their advice was to seek uh, legal legal advice in the UAE through an independent attorney. Which, if you have a lot of money, is easy, <laughs> or easier. Um, when you don't, you have to be very careful about what steps you take because you can very quickly run out of that resource, which. I think happens to a lot of parents. Um, so they provided a lot of information in regards to litigation and things like this. However, I learned later that mediation was one of the tools that they could have provided me with, but they did not initially give me that as an option. You know, my anguish and grief was recently compounded uh, by the lack of involvement in my case with the Office of Children's Issues. So, it, it recently came to my attention that there has been to date no direct outreach between the government and the UAE in regards to my case.
1: So, you're saying that this, the State Department, the US government, has not brought up your case to your knowledge to the UAE government?
0: That's correct. They, um, over the phone, could not give me the information in regards to who they had contacted. And then later I received a follow up email saying that they had not directly raised my case to the competent authorities, which is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade in Dubai. And in their report, it does say that they, very clearly that they do do that. So I feel that my country should be doing more. And at the moment, they're not even doing the bare minimum.
1: Right. I mean, what does it take to send an email to at least make sure that the proper authorities in the UAE are aware of American children that have been abducted country? I mean... It takes nothing. I, I would be irate. Yes.
0: There are currently only four cases. So like you said, what does it take just to send an email? And, you know, they they know the struggles and, um, and they know that they have problems working with the UAE. And that should, in fact, motivate them more, not less raising my case to the competent authorities is the bare minimum and they specifically state that they are doing the maximum for every case. So it kind of undermines almost the whole report in a way because as a left behind parent, I feel like now I can't trust any of that information considering that my personal case has not been given the same as other cases.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And and they would be doing the maximum if there were children. And so they, if it were their children, and they should be doing the maximum for all American children. Yes. I do want to take this time to mention, and we'll link it in the description, is that for American parents, for children who have been abducted from the U.S., under the Freedom of Information Act, you are able to request from the State Department all correspondences that they've done you know in your child's name trying to get your child back or that they haven't done so you should definitely be doing this and making sure that they are in fact doing the maximum they can because we've heard this time and time again from various left behind parents is that the state government the state department is not doing enough so we'll link the government site there's an ad there's an application that can be filled out and you can request this information
0: yeah, it's walking blindly through a black tunnel for parents left behind. Parents, especially because there is so much that you don't know. Doctor Noelle Hunter, who is the one that brought me to your podcast, she's been my advocate and um, and a blessing in this for me. Um, and connecting with other parents and people that have gone through the same thing because doing it alone is extremely difficult and harrowing. Um, it takes every strength that you have. And so connecting and finding a network that you can rely on and help you is absolutely essential. And so I hope that this can help some other parents who may have just had this happen to them, find these resources that you
1: mentioned and
0: just reach out to others for support because you definitely can't do it alone.
1: Absolutely. And, and not everybody will understand even maybe your closest family, uh, the struggle that you're going through. Um, I find that especially for left behind fathers, uh, it's really hard on their mental health, um, because maybe they don't get the same type of support or the, the same type of, um, I guess I would say there's a certain stigma in society about the fathers, particularly So I would really encourage anybody listening, um, go to findmyparent.org. There is a directory where you can find a list of our partners, including organizations like I Stand Parent Network. We can connect you with different organizations around the world of Left Behind Parents to kind of, you know, give you that support network that you need while you're going through probably one of the most difficult things any parent can go through. I also wanna walk a bit back to what you were saying earlier about the State Department basically saying that the best thing you could do is is try and find a local lawyer in the UAE and and try your luck there. Now, I don't wanna push so much on this kind of generalization about the Middle East because I I do live here and I do see also plenty of children that are abducted from the Middle East to to Europe, to the US. But the, the reality is that the legal systems in almost all Arab nations, including the UAE, are highly patriarchal. So as a woman, the local system would almost immediately be against you and in favor of your ex-husband. Do they even think about this, that there's a certain legal system that doesn't have the same standards that we have in the West?
0: I believe that's probably one of the major barriers in uh, achieving bringing them onto the convention. I have understood that Sharia law is very wide and broad, and there are different laws that are applied to different areas of the Middle East, depending on the different sex. Um, being a woman, the yes, there is a stigma. And in the West, we are well aware that they are not afforded the same rights as men. So that is uh, very intimidating, I believe. And I can only imagine what that must be like for women who live there uh, to understand that they are not able to have the same freedoms as men. Um, That is a concern for me uh, with my two daughters because they have no idea what all of that means. They were raised raised in a Western world and therefore don't understand the repercussions of living a life there versus here, just in terms of that freedom. 90% of abductions to the Middle East are men. So that gives you an indication that that it is a safe haven for child abductions there by the father. And living there since 2017, um, I'm sure my former husband is aware of those safe haven structures that are put in place for him just by naturally because of his gender. And there are many unknowns for a Western woman uh, navigating that because we don't have very much knowledge of those intricacies. So had I known that, you know, the thing it might have turned out very much differently in terms of our uh, original consent orders that were drawn up in Australia in 2020?
1: Yes, the local legal system is highly complex, and it's based on the different uh, religious sects. If anybody's interested in, in digging deeper into that, you should listen to our podcast with uh, lawyer Mohammed Ayubi out of Lebanon. He goes into a lot of detail about these family court systems and how they vary by sect and the types of challenges it poses. And I'll we'll, we'll link that podcast in the description as well. Yes,
0: very useful podcast. That one wonderful to listen to.
1: So Astrid, since your daughters did not return to the U.S., have you had any contact with them at all?
0: You know, Danielle, I luckily have had intermittent contact with them. Uh, It is very short in duration. It's controlled. However, at least I'm able to hear their voices occasionally, which I know is not the case with a lot of other abductions. So I do feel grateful that I do have some intermittent contact with them. Um, I do know where they're going to school and I have been in contact with that school as well and am able to read their school reports and know um, how they're doing there.
1: Well, that's good. And yes, you're right. Not all parents, um, some parents don't even know where their children are, but that said, you still, you know, your children, more importantly, your children deserve to have you and their father in their life hundred percent, not when the other parent decides that.
0: That's right. And what we do have is definitely not a relationship. There are no interactions, especially since the day that he sent me those text messages, he took their phones from them. So um, I'm unable to speak to them directly on their own devices. And it is very controlled by, you know, w- without me being able to really form or keep a relationship. I feel that parents that abduct are are placed in that inevitable position of parent alienation out of desperation their only recourse is to actively alienate the other parent
1: yes we we've, we've heard that from from many parents and that's then where the long term effects come in so you know parents sometimes will tell me you know people will tell that parent you know just wait till your kids 18 um you know they'll come back to you they'll call you but the reality is that that often doesn't happen because the children've been so alienated that, you know, they're brainwashed to, to really hate that other parent. Very sadly. Very sadly. Yeah.
0: The the psychological impact is in parent alienation is quiet and deep and it, it definitely lasts longer than uh, when a child becomes an adult.
1: Do you have any indication from the limited contact you have with your daughters about how they're handling the situation, how it has affected them?
0: Um, that's a good question. I I believe that they're handling it in different ways. You know, there are different they are different people. I feel really lucky that they have each other. That does make me a little bit happy in my heart to know that they can confide in each other about their feelings on it. They're very close. And my oldest daughter who had a stronger connection with her father, I believe struggles more with it, and my younger daughter is a little bit more able to outwardly express, it's very hard. The last thing that you want to do is place your child in the middle. And uh, I actively try not to do that. And however, of course, I want to scream, you know, to the other, other end of the phone, come home, come home now, you know, you're not supposed to be there. But they don't understand any of that. They're just children. And it's unfortunate that he place them in the middle in that way at the beginning uh, because I do believe it's having an impact on them, especially my eldest. Um, So I try not to make them feel bad. And I think that it's important to keep them out of it, even though um, I want to say something. I try to just keep it positive when I do get on the phone with them because the time that I have with them is very limited, like I said, and controlled. So I try to keep it as happy as possible and try not to worry them. And silently, I'm just here working in the background every day so that we can be reunited.
1: No, I, I think that is definitely the right thing to do for the girls. So as so you've talked about kind of how the State Department has really let you and more importantly, let me stress more importantly, let your girls down. Um, have there any, been any specific people, or organizations or government entities that have helped you
0: I'm navigating this now. And Dr. Hunter uh, has been that link for me. I don't know anything about how the the government works in terms of child abductions or, you know, it <laughs> she and I joke that it's the school that you never wanted to attend. Um, so, <laughs> uh, she said she's happy I'm here, but she's not. Um, so I am starting to navigate that. I, um, have actively gotten Congress involved. That, again, is a slow process, but they have agreed to support me in terms of talking to the State Department. And I believe uh, there are some steps that I can take in terms of speaking with the UAE ambassador. Um, So those are some avenues that I'm now pursuing um, with great motivation to help raise the awareness of what's going on with regards to the State Department in their failings to um, raise my case to the UAE officials.
1: That's great. So I'm glad that some progress is happening. You are getting some support from Congress and your, your politicians.
0: Yeah, I think it's just what's important is reaching out as much as you can and every day taking a step forward, you know, even if it's a crawl, if it's not a walk, if it's not, you know, a run, then at least if it's a crawl, Taking those little steps forward every day, Dr. Hunter. She's an advocate for just never giving up, um, and we support each other in those efforts.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a marathon, right? It, that's right. So, I would love to ask you also what you do to really handle all the emotional pain that comes with being a left behind parent. Because you know you got to keep getting up every day and working hard for your girls. So, how do you handle that?
0: Um, sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I, you know, I, I did it alone for a long time, and uh, it does feel very isolating. So now that I have kind of a, a larger network, making connections with other parents who have gotten their children back or are still going through what I'm going through, is an essential resource to uh, getting through this. Because you don't want to feel like you are the only one, and that's where you know depression and things like that can come into play if you you know, tend to go towards that isolation more. So um, I try to force myself to reach out, even though it can be very hard emotionally. I think it's important. Um, I've also recently kind of put out my story to social media and have garnered a lot of support from the people in my life that have come into my life or out of my life in the last... You know, 40 years. And so really just being happy that they're there for me. We, maybe it's just a comment on Facebook, but it, it feels like it's another hand holding yours.
1: Uh, absolutely. That network is key. Now we also, uh, there's a lot of parents who reach out to us who haven't had their children abducted yet, but they're, they're very fearful of it. Depending on the country, it might just be that the local law abduction is something that happens quite often or, um, you know, the, the one spouse has, has moved out of the country. So do you have any advice for those parents, you know, things that they should be doing to prevent abduction, whether it be domestic or international?
0: Yeah, I, I do believe that prevention is essential to changing the, you know, changing how many abductions happen. And first of all, I think the government is not doing enough in terms of prevention. Um, Arming parents before an abduction, educating them on the risks of international parental child abduction is essential. And I think definitely seek advice from an attorney who has international experience is a must because I have definitely had interviews with lawyers who are not an expert in international parental child abduction or have don't have any experience with international uh, separation affairs. Uh, and that is definitely something that I would uh, advise left behind parents or people that are navigating, parents that are navigating um, ways to give their child that meaningful relationship with the other parent without compromising their psychological well-being and, um, you know, preventing something like that from happening. But I think if you have a fear that the other parent is going to do that, that it, is real. It's not imagined, you know, like I said at the beginning of our, our interview that mine took me by surprise. If, if that parent has a fear, then just listen to that because it's real.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When you, just out of curiosity, so when you sent your girls to, to Dubai um, for vacation, I assume that they traveled on their own, like as accompanied minors on the airplane. Uh, no, their
0: father actually came to pick them up in California.
1: Did you have to provide some type of like letter that gave your consent for him to travel with your children alone? No, I didn't because we
0: had written it very specifically in our consent orders. So I believe that if he had uh, just had that printed out, that probably would have sufficed.
1: Yeah, I asked just because I did. I never noticed it in the states, but I was traveling um, back from Romania early summer. And there was, there was a a woman in front of me. They would not let her through immigration because she was traveling with a child alone. And she had a letter uh, on her phone that the father had signed. They were, I assume that they were married, giving her permission to travel. um, I think she was going back to her native country and they would not let her until she got a paper copy in their hands. And so I remember the, the father had to drive to the airport. It sounded like, and come bring that paper. And I just kept thinking like, I've never seen this in the U.S. Are we doing this? It just seemed really smart.
0: It does seem does seem really smart. And um, where is that person? He <laughs> should be training all of the uh, immigration officers on how to uh, deal with that situation because, you know, just out of the U.S., I think there was seven hundred abductions last year. I believe a lot of those were without orders or without permission and. You know, that that would be wonderful to have um, more education for those immigration officers to question those visitors, those people coming with children.
1: Absolutely. So the, the final question I have for you is, if your daughters happen to be listening today, what message would you send to them? Oh, um, that, that I'm fighting for them
0: every day Um, that I love them unconditionally and none of this is their fault and to stay strong and brave and go to sleep thinking about that day that we're together again and hugging each other and and it's all over just to
1: be strong. Thank you. Thank you so much, Astrid. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for joining us today, Astrid, and sharing more about your story. I want to remind our listeners of all the resources available for you at Find My Parents website, where you can find a multilingual knowledge hub, a directory of professionals who can help you and your children, as well as event listings on events related to divorce, parental alienation, and parental abduction. That's all for this week. See you next week. Like me, you're double. double.